Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Why do teenage girls drop out of sport? That is the question which will be posed and discussed at a virtual event, the third in a series brought by Electric Ireland's Game Changers NI campaign, which will see a panel of experts discuss the huge dropout of girls in sport at the age of 13. If we can't stop these teenage girls vacating the sport, what will it mean for the future of our senior teams like the Northern Ireland football team, um, the Gaelic county teams, the rugby teams, or even Commonwealth and Olympic squads? Well, Joining me to discuss this topic this morning, the former All-Ireland Gaelic footballer and international rugby star Eliza Downey, who's currently coordinating women and girls rugby at Ulster Rugby, and Danielle McDowell, the former Northern Ireland senior footballer and Crusaders strikers player, who now runs things with the girls down at Crusaders as well. Uh, thank you both for joining me on International Women's Day. Um, can I first, um, Eliza? You. Hi, it's good to talk to you both. Um, Eliza, first of all... Um, it is alarming, the age of 13. I thought maybe the girls got to 15, 16, but why do you think girls are dropping out so early? Yeah, um, well, look, first of all, it's great that we have a space to chat about this um, this morning. Um, like when I was younger, it was around 17 or 18, so you're right, to, to be as low as 12 or 13 now, it, it is quite startling and worrying for our young people. I think there's a lot of contributing factors to this, you know, I think maybe commitment has changed. People don't want to give their entire lives maybe to sport now. So a challenge for us within sport and governing bodies is to try and create maybe a little bit more of a diverse product offering that people can dip in and out and that you don't have to give maybe five nights of your week and your whole weekend to certain sports. Some girls will love to do that and some might not. So it's to be able to have nearly like a pick and mix to choose from. Um, so I think that's a challenge for us to try and create those opportunities. Um, obviously, the old ones are still there around body image, maybe lack of confidence, and maybe having a bad experience of sport earlier on, maybe within school, um, and that rejection, maybe not getting picked for a team, and that's what they associate with sport then in later life, or maybe a parent has had that negative experience and can understand why the child doesn't want to move forward and maybe doesn't encourage them. So, there's lots of different things. We're not naive to think it can just be one or two things. And as, as um, time moves on and our environment changes, we, we have to change with it, you know. You have played, Eliza, at the highest level in two different sports. And that is unusual uh, that you would be, you know, at the high level in Gaelic, obviously, and in rugby. And I'm sure you have great memories of lining out for Ireland against Kazakhstan, which I, I believe was one of your first caps. You know, tell me how thrilling it is to be able to play at that level. 
Yeah, like I'm really, really lucky and I have some fantastic memories to look back on. Um, it's, give, it's given me lots of opportunities in later life as well, but to be able to actually be a part of something and represent your country and have that challenge and um, competitiveness on, on a world stage, it's it's something that, you know, I really, I look back on fondly and had a great experience at a World Cup. Yes, the likes of Kazakhstan, um, the USA, Scotland, to be able to play teams right across the world um, and, and for me to, to have that team environment as well was really important for me Denise so um, yeah. again even between rugby and Gaelic it's, it's something that I, I really reap the rewards from all of it. Now you're currently coordinating the women and girls rugby at Ulster Rugby can I um, find out from you is it at a certain age girls can only play is it the touch rugby they can't play full contact or has that changed in recent years Eliza? Yeah, well, look, we have now opportunities from many, the way our system works, it's many youth and adults. So you play minis right up till under 12, and that can be mixed. And then we have youth rugby from under 12 right up to under 18, and then our adult women's rugby um, from that on. So, yeah, things have changed a lot. Um, there's obviously different variations of the game between touch and tag rugby and for a lot of people that's a good way to get into it um, I think people get quite obsessed with the physicality side of rugby and kind of hone in on it a lot so maybe for schools sometimes they, they see that as a bit of a barrier or some of the teachers maybe have a lack of experience and we have a lot of different resources now and support um, that Ulster Rugby can give to our schools and to our different clubs to get these teams up and running so yeah things have definitely changed for the better. That's good. Eliza, I'll be speaking to you in a moment. I'm going to bring Danielle in, who I'm sure you know very well, obviously, from your involvement with Female Sports Forum. Uh, Danielle McDowell, Northern Ireland senior footballer and um, Crusader Strikers player. Danielle, I understand you started playing football, you've told me before, at the age of four, and you had to mix in with the boys' teams. So was that um, a good lesson in resilience for you at a young age? Yeah, very much so. I mean, I've uh, I've been kicking a ball for as, as long as I can remember. Um and on my first experiences of, of, of football where we're playing in the street uh, with with young boys it then um went on to to playing in, in primary school you know before school after school where it was just unorganized um fun time um with with my friends and then that led on to playing um for the for the boys football team in, in primary school and both, both secondary school but um as much as i probably didn't realize at the time um, it was definitely building character and, and, and confidence and, and resilience um, for, for me because I probably always had to had to play to, to, to prove myself, to, to prove my worth, to be able to um, battle with the boys and, and probably be, be picked on their teams or or want them to want to, to, to play with me or involve me. Um, and it probably came quite naturally for me to <laughs> fight and, and, and battle a bit, um, but... You don't realise probably till you get a little bit older and you and you look back to it. Um, you know, people would say I would be be quite confident in in, in you know my own ability and my beliefs and and, and how I I speak and, and come across um, in different sort of aspects of life. And that probably goes back to playing with the boys and and, and having to be and having to develop these skills um, unknowingly at the time and then more having to do it more conscientiously as you as you get older you, you need to work on those things too and develop them to to sort of play at the highest level and and to give back in, in, a, in a coaching format 
Well, Daniel, you are a trailblazer. I've interviewed you many times over the past decade, and you're passionate about young girls getting into football and what it does for them, for their physical and their mental health. But have you come up against any sort of, let's say, sexism from maybe parents or, or lads who say, what are the girls playing? Or is it the opposite? Do the Crusaders um, club as a whole, who are very much a community, get behind the girls and, and cheer them on and support them? Yeah, I mean, whenever I was whenever I was younger, I definitely come up against that. You know, there's a girl in their team, or whatever it might be, who's marking the girl, or you know, some some not so nice comments being made, even from parents and opposition teams. But I think now that we have so many all girls teams, um, our girls at, at Crusaders actually compete in the boys' games development centres against boys' teams, um, because they've came on leaps and, and bounds, and and they're competitive enough to, to play against the boys and. Um, probably three or four years ago, whenever whenever we started that, you know, we maybe got a little bit of surprise or, or we're playing a girls team today. Um, whereas I think it's become more normal um, and the lads don't even really seem to, to blink an eyelid at it, the young lads that, you know, they've played a girls team last year or the year before and they're just in their league and they're, they're happy to just get on with it and um, probably a little bit more determined that they don't want to be beat by the girls. So... Mm. Um, it, it makes for for a competitive environment, but um, at Crusaders we have we have had fantastic backing um, with with what the club do, and um, right, right from the start, um, from from the use of the facilities, um, to the to, to the fantastic stadium we we have at Seaview that we we get use of. There's there's a gym down there now, and um, Sue O'Neill sits on the board for us there as the, the director of women's football, and um, does a fantastic job along with the board and, and, and being able to support. All that we do is it's it's one club, it's a family club, and and anything that the boys get in their FDC, mm-hmm. um, the, the the girls are equal to it. So, um, it's exciting times. It's 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 a really nice um really nice place to be and um nice to be a part of it. Good. Now you both well set on this panel on Thursday night on how to engage and educate teenage girls. And one of the core concerns is obviously how to maintain interest. So, Eliza, I'm going to bring you back in here now. You did mention about some of the strategy, strategies at Ulster Rugby, but really getting the girls interested and seeing a pathway for them. What would you? What would your ambition be for um, the Ulster Girls Rugby? Yeah, like I think a big thing, Denise, is letting people know what the offerings are. And it might be cliche, but the visibility piece around women and girls sport you know it's it's got a lot better but we need to push on with it the 2020 campaign did a lot and um, in the last couple of years around the can't see can't be but you know they need to be able to see girls and women whether it's playing sport and um, volunteering coaching refereeing whatever it is they need to see other girls and women doing these things and think i can do that too and i know that seems like a simple thing but until we get you know, greater investment from media and, and positive um, messaging around women and girls sport, we will see that that influx and that growth, which which we have done over the last couple of years. But we definitely can do better. I know a lot of work that we're doing um, at Ulster Rugby is is around the grassroots level, around youth girls, and we've been really lucky over the last um, couple of years. We've seen an increase by over 200% in our youth girls game um, and the growth that we've had in it. Mm -hmm. And it's around changing things up a little bit, Denise, and and giving them something 
different. And as I said before, that diverse product offering that they don't have to give their entire week to it. But if they want to go one, two, three times a week to rugby, that that's there for them. And there's a version of a game that they can buy into. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Daniel, I'll bring you in on the same question as well. I mean, obviously, you must be delighted with the incredible growth Frank had mentioned earlier about the profile of women's football in this country and in the UK and globally. Um, but what do you feel that um, what needs done in women's football? Does Would it be people at the highest level like Sue O'Neill on the board of, um, of a football club? Yeah, I think so. Um, as, as you said, the... Um the, the, the profile of the women's game has, has really been raised. There is uh, lots of visibility around their success now, and, and, and rightly so. They've done fantastically well, and I'm so excited for the, the playoff game in, in, in April with, a, with an opportunity to go to a, a major a major finals is, is just phenomenal. And, um, you know, I didn't think we would be anywhere near that, um, probably whenever I retired four or five years ago. And... It's, it's it's amazing to see, and I, th- I think off the back of that, it's uh, just like Eliza said there that we we really have to you know jump on and continue to to increase the profile and and the visibility while while we have this good momentum to you know inspire a new generation of of young girls, and it doesn't even need to be to play football; it can be to play any sport that they can look and go, mm-hmm. wow, I could maybe go to a World Cup, I could go to a European Championships, or I could do this as a profession, not just a yeah. hobby, but. Um, I also totally agree with what Eliza said there from a perspective of um, the, all, all the different rules and all the different standards, so to speak, within within the sport that, you know, for everyone, you'll, you'll find your level. You know, a lot of the time we talk about dropout in sport, we, we think about talented players being lost from the game. It's also just people being lost from sport and in lifelong participation, and whether that be as a volunteer, as, as a coach, or you know, as a player that plays recreationally, that just loves their teammates and 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 fun and and banter of of being part of a team and being part of something. But yeah. I think that's the other side of it. There, exactly what you said, it's people like um, more women sitting on boards that that can go bang on doors and and ask questions. Um, yeah. Why is female sport not being being covered? Why is it not being given the same visibility, the same profile, the same funding, the same the same finances as as their male counterparts. Yeah. Okay. Danielle, thank you very much for joining us this morning and also um Eliza. Um you can both you'll both be on the panel on Thursday, www.gamechangersni.com. That's Thursday at seven if you want to see the panel. But thank you this morning, Danielle McDowell and Eliza Downey. I found a love. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.